This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast for a Tuesday, June 13th. This is podcast episode number 88. It is brought to us by the great people at Bet Rivers, where uh, I utilized the Bet Rivers app last night. Let me see what happened last night. Yes, it was the Denver Nuggets. Winning the NBA championship, which I bet several weeks ago at a very good price on Bet Rivers. You got to get ahead of the game on these apps. I took the Nuggets and I, uh, you know, a, a quick little hundo on the Nuggets. You know, nothing crazy, but solid. And it was a win on the Bet Rivers app. So download the Bet Rivers app where you can make a lot of money if you know the game. Today we'll have a special guest. Scott Lauber covers the Phillies of the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, will be uh, our special guest today. So, uh, let's proceed by talking about the Phillies. Now, they had been hot before last night. They won seven of eight as they went into Arizona. The surprising Diamondbacks, a playoff team, a division winner as we speak right now. Phillies lose a tough one last night. Tough L, 9-8. to eight. Um, JT Real Muto hit for the cycle last night, which is admirable. And Cody Clemens, uh, a lot of people thought he had a two-run homer to put the Phillies up in the ninth. Replay says it was foul. Now, the Phils blew a 5-1 lead in this, which is problematic, and we'll get to that in a second. D-backs chipped away. They're a nice little team, man. They're young. They hit. They pitch a little bit. They got a three-run homer by the ancient Evan Long- uh, Longorio uh, in, in this game. Uh, and this uh, therein lies the problem with the Phillies. because they're, util- they're using their bullpen too much. Strom uh, only pitched two and two-thirds innings, 50 pitches. They yank them, which means they had to fill a lot of that game with bullpen guys and Dylan Covey, I don't get it. Uh, you know, he just got since his first appearance, his ERA is over nine. He can't get anybody out, but they continue to go with Dylan Covey. Um, and uh, uh, Bilotti's in AAA. I, I don't quite understand that. And Andrew Vadkez got got roughed up. Uh, he's the one that gave up the three run homer. Uh, so they lose last night, um, but uh, they're kind of hanging in there. Now, let me just uh, address uh, a couple of things prior to the game which uh, I don't understand why Rob Thompson manages by script. We, we've had this kind of manager before, and we lose patience with this kind of manager. And I know he's Philly Rob, and they went to the World Series last year. 
But um, they're facing a left-hander last night. And I'm looking at the box score, and I'm going, geez, it must be Sandy Koufax that they're facing last night. Because Stott and Marsh are out of the lineup against the lefty who's not Sandy Koufax. It's Tommy Henry. Uh, I'm going, Henry, uh, what? Come on, now. Uh, there's no – see, if you want to sit lefties against tough lefties, I can buy it. Now, I think Bryson Stott has kind of earned his way – through that at this point. He, he's a pretty good patient hitter. Uh, there's no reason to take him out of the lineup. He takes him and Marsh out to protect him against the left-handers. And I just shake my head. Now, um, all right, maybe it didn't hurt him last night, uh, but they have to start Dalton Guthrie and Josh Harrison in that game last night. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. That's one night. It's not Sandy Koufax. You take the chance on playing lefty versus lefty. But they still went out to a 5-1 lead. So let's look at the real culprit. Uh, and it was the uh, the bullpen. Now, the bullpen is starting to sh- be shaky. Uh, the RA has close to six now over the last several weeks because they've had to utilize them a lot because their starting pitching is not giving them enough. Now, Taiwan Walker has been good. Um, uh, Ranger Suarez has been good. So... Like, in this winning streak, the starting pitching hasn't hurt him, but it's a cumulative effect where they've had to use this bullpen a lot this year, uh, and it may be catching up with them. So, hopefully, this fifth starter quandary that they have, and last night was the fifth starter game, and he lasted two and two-thirds, and that stretches your bullpen. So, let's look at, and see where they are at this point. They're third in the NL East. They're eight and back in the Braves. Now, forget the Braves, okay? They lost said Tigers last night. They gave him a gift because the Tigers stank. Uh, so... They're not going to catch the Braves. So uh, I, the Braves have the division. But what you need to focus on is the wild card. And the Phillies right now are five games in, uh, back of the, of the final wild card spot. Now, here's the way it stands right now with your seeds, division winners of the Braves, D-backs, and the Pirates. That might not last. And then you got the Astros with 37 wins, the Dodgers with 37 wins, and the Marlins at 37 wins. That might not last. But the Phillies only have 32 wins. So, uh, you know, they got – and they've just been on a winning streak, so um, and they're still five back. So I, I don't know. They, they've got kind of an, uh, a little bit of an uphill climb, but we'll straighten this uh, all out with Scott Lauber, who's going to join us uh, in a second. Let's touch on the Flyers. It's probably the highest the Flyers have been in priority on the Mike Missnelli podcast, with all due respect to uh, Flyer fans out there. But uh, they're making news for making news. Uh, Valerie Camillo, who was a landmark hire several years ago, female in their front office uh is now leaving now you you can you can read into whatever you want to read into i happen to be talking to some people behind the scenes she was the president ceo of comcast spectacle sports and entertainment and all of a sudden she leaves and i'm going "Mm, why well my sources say that they want more out in front openness with this organization They've been in the closet for a long time. They've been behind the scenes. This Dan Hilferty is a PR guy, whiz. He wants them out front. She was kind of not that type of personality. So they managed to, to hire, uh, restructure it, and they hired another woman. Blair uh, Listino is now chief administrative and financial officer. In other words, she's tucked away in the office as the boys run the show. Hilferty's at the head. And then you got Keith Jones, and you got Briere, and you got Tortorella. So there's your four that are out front with this franchise running the show. Um, your guess is as good as mine as to whether they're making progress. 
they, they seem to want to change the landscape of this. I don't know where they want to change the landscape to in the front office. Uh, but also, also they want to move some players out of here and start fresh, and they want to regenerate with draft picks and all that stuff. And so the big news of the day, you know, there was a day when the big news of the day was when they're going to trade Eric Lindros. The big news of the day for the Flyers is now Scott Lawton. Oh, my God, don't lose Lawton. Don't lose Lawton. What are you doing trading Lawton? Listen, Scott Lawton is an example of every Flyer that plays for this team now. In other words, He's an okay player. There's nothing special about him. He's not going to make the difference in you winning or not. And he's coveted. God bless the league. If they're going to cover Scott Lawton, he's one of the guys that should go. Now, the other guy to talk about is Connecty. He's got a little bit of a talent, but he's a little bit of a punk. So uh, they're, they're uh, determined to move a lot of dudes out of here and trust their fan base that they're going to put up with three more years of just waiting to see what we build into. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens with that. But Scott Lawton um, in demand is the big news story personnel wise. And um, I'm just overwhelmed. All right. The, so, all right, let's move on to the Sixers. All right, the Sixers, again, we're in a dead period with the Sixers on the heels of the NBA championship last night. We'll get to that in a second. First of all, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Rich Hoffman. He covered the Sixers for the athletic, the athletic, of course, is that uh, subscription-based kind of a national type of uh, website information. This is where we're going now. Newspapers have been replaced by entities like The Athletic, where you get your news. Of course, our great friend Jason Stark is a big hitter with The Athletic. A lot of experienced journalists found a home at The Athletic, and now they are cutting back. They drilled 20 reporters yesterday, and Rich Hoffman, unfortunately, was one of them. And for some reason, they're cutting down on their their NBA beat writers in cities, and they want to go more regional, which is not the model they had when they started. They wanted to go specific. They wanted to get a beat writer in every city. And now, with the financial landscape and the media, they're clipping people. So um, he was one of the casualties, and, and Rich was a good guy. He was a great writer, and he covered the Sixers very well, and they're going to really miss him. Uh, and the story I read yesterday, unbeknownst to me, turned out to be his last story. He was going over where the Sixers stand at this point. So let's pick that up. Uh, and hopefully Rich lands on his feet somewhere where we're, we're wishing that, it, that he does. So they hire Bobby Jackson as an assistant coach after they lost Sam Cassell. All right, an experienced guy, played in the league. That's fine. That's a fine hire. Um, but here's where the Sixers are right now. They have um, – if, if, if all these people opt in, now House has already opted in, Montrose Harrell's the next. He's got a player option. If he op, opts in, the, the Sixers have nine players under contract. They've got uh, Paul Reed as a restricted free agent. He seems to be one of those athletic, long athletic guys that fits with what Nick Nurse wants to do defensively. So he'll probably stay as a restricted free agent. They'll match whatever he gets if he gets anything. Uh, and then for some reason, George Niang is uh, like in the fold to come back. I, I don't get that at all with the way Nick Nurse wants to play. Uh, so we'll have to wait on the Yang uh, whether he's back. Uh, hopefully, uh, if he is back, George, there's a new invention. It's called, uh, it's called a gym. And in the gym, <clears throat> Darren, correct me if I'm wrong, they have, they have weights in the gym. They have weight machines. They have, uh, they have barbells. They have dumbbells. They have bench pressing. <laughs> They have stuff like that. Do they have that in the in, in, gyms that contain that? They, they do, Mike. 
They, they do. All of those things. Somebody could lead him there and get get those flabby arms a little toned uh, so he could be more of a viable uh, a player for the Sixers. Uh, okay, I know. That's sarcastic. That's nasty. I, I get it. Come on, man. You know, I look at the NBA and I see all these sinewy dudes. They're all strong and athletic and muscular. And he goes out there looking like uh, the doughboy. Come on, George. Let's get a little tighter, my man. Uh, all right. So, uh, Harden, still up in the air. The max contract he can get is four years, 200 mil. Sixers aren't going to pay him that. Would Houston pay him? If Houston doesn't pay him that, he's got a chance to get back. The word is he's torn between going to Houston or staying with Embiid and try to make another run. Um, I don't know what's in his mind. Uh, I'm getting the impression that Houston's not doesn't want to pay him that kind of money either. So in that case, maybe they Sixers can get him at a more reasonable contract than four years, two hundred million. I have to, I have to ask you about this. This is something I was trying to bounce off you over the weekend. Uh, for a guy like James Harden at this point in his career, for him to say something like "I want to go back to Houston," doesn't that tell you a lot about his like real win will to win right now? Like, does he really want to win a championship if he's if he has Houston as his one A? Like, it's either the Sixers. No, we this, we talked about this in our last podcast. I, I know, but like, it, it bothers me. Uh, did, did, didn't he show you enough in Game Seven that he didn't have a will to win? Oh, that's no, you're right. Is that enough to convince you? No, it, it absolutely was. But for him to come out like this publicly and say, "I think I'd like to go to Houston," like that's a bad look. It, it, it's not shocking. It's not. Well, you, you think he cares about bad looks? It's a bad look when, when when he's raining dollar bills in the strip club. It's a bad look. It's a bad look when he shows up thirty pounds overweight. So why would the Sixers even want him back? And I know that I know the history with Daryl Morey because they need production. That's why teams that need production get desperate for production. So unless there's a replacement, they'll take him back because they can't replace ten assists, twenty points a game. But the will to win, I mean, please, that's not even consideration for me. He showed me what the will to win was when he played three games in a seven-game series. He, Yeah, he doesn't give a damn, and that bothers me. I don't want him anywhere near the city anymore. All right. In any event, that's what the situation is with James Harden. The Sixers, by the way, in case you're where uh, the draft is coming up, right, in case you're wondering about the draft, guess what? The, the Sixers get no help in the draft. They gave up the first-round draft pick to get Harden with the Ben Simmons trade, and they were punished. Uh, for their second-round pick for the tampering to sign P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. So no draft picks this year, folks. So sit out the draft, make dinner plans with the spouse, do something. You don't have to sit there and watch the draft. Uh, all right, so the Denver Nuggets, the NBA champs, best team in the league. I said it for a really long time. Darren, you'll back me up on this. I said Denver wins in five. Miami can't score. Uh, they can't score against a good team that plays good defense like that with a with two dynamic players and Jokic, and uh, and and Murray, and a, a great supporting cast that knows their role. And, and listen, if, if you took the Heat with nine, it was a good bet because the Heat were going to play tough. Uh, and Jimmy Butler showed up at the end. He didn't show up for three quarters. Showed up at the end. If there was a play in that game last night. I'm looking at the game and I'm going, okay. Here's what I know about the NBA. The NBA officials are talked to by the league, and this was told to me by an NBA official. In a series, they go, "Hey, uh, you know, it's three one. You may, you might want to, uh, might want to watch Jokic a little bit. Uh, you know, he's getting away with some stuff. Our video says he's getting away with something. You might want to look at that a little closer, which is a suggestion that you got to call some fouls on the Denver Nuggets. So, what happens early in the game? Two quick ones on Murray, and also 
Jokic. And also that Aaron Gordon gets down two or three fouls. So I knew what, what was up. Now, we get to the end of the game. And I never blame officials. Believe me, I don't blame them. But I know what the landscape is in an NBA series and what the league would like officials to do to extend, maybe extend a series beyond five games. There was a play at the end where Jimmy Butler launches from the corner, kicks out, and kicks Aaron Gordon right in the testicles. Now, that's a foul. They are kicking. They are are supposed to clamp down on these kick forwards that create contact, and they've been calling that on the shooter. I'm watching the play seven times on replay. There's not even a question that that's Jimmy Butler's foul. Aaron Gordon just standing there. He didn't go forward or impede him in any way. They call a three-shot foul. He goes to the line. He makes three. Now, Denver survives it. But, Darren, I know you saw that, right? Yeah, Yes, I did see that. It was obvious to me, too. He, the first thing I thought was uh, he didn't touch him. Well, how are you calling that a foul? And then you see, obviously, the blatant kick out. Yeah, it's, it's something they've been calling all year. Yes. It's- all right, so let's get to next year. Since we talked about the Sixers, uh, now uh, the NBA uh, Denver Nuggets. First of all, uh, let's play Battle of the Broadcasters here. So uh, here is the final call. Denver wins their first NBA championship. I'm happy for that city, although in the celebration downtown, a couple people were shot up, right? So that, you know, in Philadelphia, we're terrible. They're they're wielding weapons in a celebration, and, and people are getting snipped in Denver. Like, of all places. Uh, but that's beside the point. So let's get to some audio here with the final call. Let's first go with the uh, uh, ABC call, and then uh, we'll get the local call on the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship. Here we go. Looking, looking. Finds Struce back to Larry. There it is. Three-pointer. Won't go. Rebound call by Pope. They're not going to foul. The Heat will let it play out. It's over. So here we go. Kyle Lowry will inbound it. The Nuggets lead it by five. Denver looking to win the NBA championship. And here we go. Lowry looks in. Inbound. Over to Struis. Lowry three. That one misses. Rebound down to KCP. Eight seconds left to go. Casey's across the timeline. And he'll dribble it out. The 47-year wait is over. The Denver Nuggets stand on top of the NBA world. They are champions. And Nuggets fans from sea to shining sea can rest or die in peace. Oh, my God. I can't believe they did it. Pause for two seconds. Take your headsets off. And just listen to this crowd. All right, so let's look at next year, and the odds have already been posted for next year's NBA championship. But I'm going to play a little game with you, Darren. The Denver Nuggets are the favorite to win the NBA title next year at plus 500. That's not a bad bet. You throw 100 on them right now, 500. Uh, who is second? Oh, geez. I got to think the way Vegas thinks, so I'm going to say Golden State. Incorrect. That would be the Celtics at plus 550. Who is third? Golden State. <laughs> and it's incorrect. It would be the Bucks at plus 600. 
Okay. Well, you're showing yourself to be Mr. NBA here. Who's fourth? <laughs> fourth. Golden State. <laughs> no, it's the Suns at plus 850. Really? Then okay. it's the Warriors, Lakers, and Mavs at plus 1,200, which means the Sixers are behind. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're eighth. And they are tied with the Clippers at plus 1,400. And uh, I guess when this uh, James Harden thing unwinds and he stays with the Sixers, maybe they move up. And that's followed by the Grizzlies' heat at plus 2,000. So those are your odds for next year's NBA championship. All right, let's touch on the Eagles finally. Yeah, nothing, no news coming out of the Eagles. OTAs were last week. No minicamp is scheduled. So next time we'll see the Eagles, we won't see them until training camp, July 25th. That's a lot of days to melt away. It's uh, not thinking about the Eagles. So uh, who looked good? Eh, you know, listen, it's OTA, so I don't put much stock in this, but I'll play along. Christian Ellis, the linebacker, they said look good. Maybe he's a, he's got a chance to start. Uh, Nolan Smith, rookie, looked good at defense vent. And Quez Watkins is showing a little bit of something because they told him, Quez, you're in danger of not being on this team unless you come back with a vengeance, unless you come back a little bulked up, unless you come back with a little more energy. So Quez Watkins looked pretty good. All right, there you go. That's our current for today. It's the Mike Yosinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our next guest on the Mike Yosinelli Podcast, and he's been a, a, a great guest before on the podcast, talking to Philly baseball, the man who covers the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Scott Lauber, joins us. Hello, Scott. Hey, Mike. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. I know you're uh, you're uh, on your way out to Oakland tomorrow to cover that big series with the Phils in Oakland. Uh, and let me just tell you that it, um, I, I, you, not that you don't know this, but when you're in the press box and you, you yell down to one of your buddies, the press box, that's going to be heard throughout the stadium, <laughs> right? You know, you know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really curious to see the whole environment, the whole atmosphere there, because the. Ownership is on record. They want to move the team. I mean, they want to go to Vegas. They are they're they've got one foot out the door, and it's just a matter of finalizing, you know, uh, g- getting everything in, in order for them to leave. And so, um, I'm curious what sort of mood the crowds are in. I know they won't be large crowds. I wonder whether there'll be people outside. That team is terrible to boot. Like they might be the worst team ever, worse than the '62 <laughs> Mets. So. Um, like, I'll ask you right now, I mean, because I can't. Can you name five guys on that team? No, I actually can't. Uh, you know, and what's interesting about this whole thing is obviously Major League Baseball wants them out of there, too. The commissioner wants them out right. of there. So it, it's right. probably going to be difficult for them to stay. Although, you know, the, 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 with a local team leaving town, there's always something that pulls them back at the last second. So we'll see what happens. Let, let's let's talk about our, our fills. They lose a tough one yesterday. They made a, uh, you know, blow a lead. And then uh, their pitching lets them down, the middle relief pitching again. Um, now, I'm not in a, in a mood to criticize, and they won seven of the last nine, and, and they started to get on a pretty good run right, uh, there. So wh- where are they right now in your mind? Well, I mean, you're right. They've won seven of the last nine. They had a really nice weekend at home against the Dodgers that made everybody feel a whole lot better about things. Um, but the schedule does not soften here. The Diamondbacks are a very good team. Um, they are a young team. Uh, they're playing, um, they're playing very confidently right now. They do things on the bases. Um, they win games when they're behind as we saw them do yesterday. So this is another tough series 
And then after that Oakland series where really anything less than a sweep, even on the road, would be pretty inexcusable, they come home for a week and it's Braves and Mets. And I know the Mets have struggled, but the Mets are the Mets and um, they, they give the Phillies fits, as we know. So it's going to be a difficult week ahead after this. I think, look, I think it's better, right? I think if we were talking uh, a week ago, certainly two weeks ago, our tone about the Phillies would be a whole lot different than it is now. But there, there are still issues. And, you know, yesterday, and the way that game went last night, it raises the issue that won't go away, which is the issue of the fifth starter. And it isn't so much that they don't have one or that they have to bullpen it every fifth day. A lot of teams have problems in the fifth starter spot. It's what happens if something happens to the top four? Like, what happens if one of those guys goes down? Uh, they are thin in the rotation, have been all year, and I, I don't know. I mean, we can get into the trade deadline, which is still a month and a half away, but I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of help out there for them to get. So, um, for me, this little run that they're on, it all goes back to starting pitching. Walker's had two good ones in a row. Suarez has had three good ones in a row. Nola's had more good than bad. Wheeler certainly had more good than bad. So if you get those four guys rolling and keep them healthy, Phillies are going to be okay. Um, yeah, you know, they and they started to hit a little bit. Um, and, and Castellanos having an all star year. I mean, does that it, it's kind of like an, an understated all star year? I'm not hearing a lot about him nationally. Uh, th- does he get a slot this year, you think? I think so. I, I, I do. I mean, I think he's there. Uh, he is their closest thing to a slam dunk all-star that they have. I wrote about this a little bit last week and kind of looked into some of the candidacies of some of their players. And I, I think you could see a, a path for Harper. Um, you know, he's in the top two right now in the voting for NLDHs. If he stays there, that would send him to that final vote. So he could still get voted in. I think he could still get picked. Um, you know, uh, you know, automatically you start to think about catchers and like how many good catchers are there and where does real Muto fit in that. But to me, Murphy in Atlanta is having an all-star year. Uh, the kid in Colorado Diaz is having an all-star year. That's two right there that are ahead of JT in my mind. Um, I think, um, I, th- I think Castellanos is the closest thing they have to an automatic and he's not doing so great in the fan voting right now. I don't think it's going to matter. I think he gets picked. Uh, his numbers are really good across the board, and um, and they they stack up with most outfielders out there. So yeah, I I think you're right. I think an understated All Star year is the right way to put it. He's been really good. He's been really consistent, and you wonder, you know, where would they be without him? Um, if if uh, with the way Turner struggled for two months, and the way JT struggled for two months, and the way Schwarber has struggled without Harper for thirty games. Uh, Castellanos has been really, really important to that offense. Talking to Scott Lauber, covers the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, you know, I, I'm so used to bitching and moaning in my sports talk radio career, and there's not a lot to bitch and moan about except when I watch Dylan uh, Kobe go out there, and then and, and I start bitching and moaning. Uh, and but it's like one of these. I think that they have worn down their bullpen, which is pretty good bullpen. Uh, and I think they're starting to, to wear it a little bit. You know, these guys are coming in. Their ERA is now has gone from decent to not so decent. It, it was that the, is this the symptom that's going on now with those relief pitchers? A little bit, and I think it's a little bit of the um, it's a little bit of the wear of a of a of a bullpen day every fifth day, right? Now, now Strom has to go out there and give you you know multiple innings every fifth day, whether it's two or three. Uh, uh, occasionally three and change. And that means he's unavailable for a few days after that start. 
that kind of hamstrings the bullpen. Um, <laughs> Dylan Covey, right? Like, if we're going to bitch and moan about him, he's the last guy on the roster. And you say to yourself, well, isn't there anybody better that you could fill that roster spot with? You think about the Dodgers, right? The Dodgers have issues with their rotation. Urias got hurt. Uh, Bueller's been out all year. Um, somebody else is hurt. I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, but, you know, they dig down and they go get Bobby Miller. And look, that kid uh, pitched a great game on Saturday here against the Phillies. Uh, when the Braves have issues with Freed going down and Kyle Wright going down, they dig into their minor leagues and bring up guys like Dylan Dodd and, and stuff like that who can fill in. Um, the Phillies are saying uh, through their actions that Griff McGarry is not ready to do that yet. He's still in double A. Um, they are saying through their actions that they don't have the confidence in Chris, Christopher Sanchez to come be even a bulk guy in a, in a bullpen game. So that's why I'm saying, like, if, if, if we're going to pick um, you know, about something or if there's something, I should say this, if there's something to feel uneasy about in this run of seven out of nine, it's their pitching depth and, uh, and, and, and their hope that they've got to keep the top four healthy and maybe pick up somebody at the deadline. I don't know where that's going to come from. Scott, let me tell me about the dynamic of covering Rob Thompson, because another thing that irritates me is that he sometimes manages by rote. It didn't make any sense to me last night that he's got he's got to put Dalton Guthrie in there because he's a right-handed hitter, and, and he does not have Stott in the lineup, and he does not have Marsh in the lineup against Tommy Henry. Now, I get it if it's Randy Johnson or somebody, uh, but, like, like, why does he do that? And, and uh, it, it's almost like... Uh, I don't know. He says something and he gets away with it as a, as a manager. Like they, I, I'm used to like uh, like these back and forth. But like, why would you do something like that? And him, but he just goes, uh, you know, uh, first game of a series against a pretty good team. I, I did not expect that last night. Did you? No, it was a criticism of mine early in the year. I thought early in the year he he went away from Marsh against lefties too much. Uh, same with Stott, a little bit less to a less degree than with Marsh. Um, uh, that was a big criticism I had early in the year. Um, I'll say this. He has at least been relatively consistent with it. You know, I mean, look, I think, um, and I'm not in Arizona, but I think what he, what I'm sure what he, his explanation last night was probably something to the effect of, you know, Henry's a lefty. They're in a run of righties right now. I think they face righties for the rest of this series against the Diamondbacks. I don't know what they have coming up against the A's. It almost doesn't matter left or right against Oakland. But if you're going to give Stott and Marsh a day, it's probably against the one lefty you're facing in a run of about, you know, five or six days uh, otherwise of righties. So I'm guessing that was the explanation there. But I'm with you. I, I do think that he's a little bit um, a little bit too wedded to the whole righty-lefty thing sometimes. I think when Cody Clemens is playing well, you run him out there more often. Don't worry about if it's right or left. You've got to find out at some point if he can hit uh, left-handed pitching. So – um, you know, there is a little bit of that. He's not alone. I think that's managing in today's day and age. I think most managers do that, and and they explain it away that way. And probably one of the reasons why we don't have the same back and forth is that it's 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 the way of the world these days in baseball. It's fairly common that this is what they do, unless you're a proven guy. And, and to that, I, I always say, like, well, what does a guy like Brandon Marsh have to do to prove that he can play every day against right and left if you're not going to play him against Tommy Henry – Right. Like like you said, if it's Randy Johnson, if it's Clayton Kershaw, that's one thing. But it's Tommy Henry. It's a, a pretty, pretty middle of the road lefty. And if you're not going to play him against that guy, how's he ever going to prove to you that he can hit lefties? So I do tend to agree with you on that. Uh, and besides, they're 24 years old. 
Like, do, do they do they really need to be rested in the first game of the series? At twenty four, they're they're pup, they have puppy legs for crying out loud. Yeah, tell Trey Turner, right? He never takes a day off or cast <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Stott, I love Stott. He runs probably the least of anybody on the field at second base. He's <laughs> fine. You know, Marsh, I could see covers some ground. Uh, all right, uh, in, in any event. Um, so they're, they're five back of a wild card spot. And, and I guess uh, when you look at it, you know, the weak link is the, the, the Marlins who are in that sixth spot right now. I mean, uh, they're still in a good spot for, for, to get a wild card, right? Even though they're five back and then, and that one, they trailed the Marlins. I mean, the Astros and Dodgers are another story, but you know, that other spot is pretty gettable. I'm thinking. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, I've been thinking about the trade deadline a lot because it's it's coming uh, here in a month and a half. And if if it's a dud, and, and I've talked to some people who think that it might be a dud, you know, blame the Phillies, right? Because the Phillies got in last year as the last seed in the National League and with 80, what did they have, 87 wins, clinched the second to last uh, day of the season or third to the last day of the season and wound up going to the World Series. So you have a lot of teams right now that are hovering around that that last wild card spot who think they can be the Phillies from last year. They think if I if we can only get in, if we can just get in, uh, we can make a run. And they don't want to give up. Like in past years when you didn't have that that third wild card, you'd have a lot of teams that would on the middle of June in the middle of June be thinking about selling already. They might not sell at all. So yeah, they're in a really good position. Um, it might be a dud of a trade deadline. I think teams that are deep are going to be the teams that survive the summer a little bit and are in the best shape coming out of that. Um, but yeah, I think that they're in good shape. I'm, you know, I'm rooting for the Marlins. I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks to keep this up. I think the more good teams there are in the National League, the better. The National League does not have enough good teams. And teams like the Mets, the Padres, the Phillies, shouldn't be sitting there at, you know, a couple of games under 500 in the middle of June thinking we're in good shape because who's going to knock them off, right? So if the Marlins keep playing well, if the Diamondbacks keep playing well, if the Giants keep playing well, it's going to be a much more interesting National League. Um, You know, Phillies, Mets, and Padres should not be allowed to just kind of coast and not play so well through the middle of the year and be in good shape come Labor Day weekend. So, uh, I hope that some of those middle-of-the-road teams in the National League keep it up. I hope it's an interesting summer, and I hope that some of the loaded teams with high payrolls and big rosters are not just going to kind of be able to coast in. Scott, always a pleasure. You'll be covering the Oakland series. and um, So Jason Giambi, Miguel Tejada, and uh, Jason Isringhausen are not walking through that door in this in this series? No, they are not. No, uh, Johnny Damon, he's not walking through the door. No, no. no. I mean, I mean I, at this point, I would take the actors from walking through that door. Um, yeah. the extras for Moneyball. I would take those guys walking through. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's Chad Brad, Chad Bradford. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I mean the actor who played Chad Bradford. I take. Oh, the actor who played Chad. Yeah, he had pretty good action. Yeah, and actually, the, the actor who played David Justice and had a pretty good swing in that cage. That guy, I don't even he's know who he is, but that you know, I don't know. Well, he's a former minor leaguer. That guy, I looked him up. Yeah, yeah, he played in the minor leagues. That guy, I would take that. Yeah, yeah, Chris Pratt hit the home run. Um, Scott, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. I always appreciate talking to you. Take care. Of course, anytime. Thanks. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Thanks very much to Scott Lauber for joining us on the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Always good to talk baseball with Scott Lauber. does a great job covering the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. It's time now for Mike Unleashed. 
as we span the globe with stuff that's in my head. It could be sports. It could be life. It's anything that pops into my head that I want to talk about for Mike Unleashed. So let's start with something unfortunate that has happened here in Philadelphia, the I-95 accident. For the people who live in Bucks County or the people that have to get up that way, it is going to be a nightmare for at least six months while they rebuild this as the road uh, melted down and the ramp fell. Um, now, uh, many years ago, if you remember, there was a tire fire that did this to the I-95. Like some arsonist lighting his, his tires melted the road. This was an overturned gasoline tanker that contained 8,500 uh, 8, gallons of gasoline. Uh, the driver, while negotiating a turn, flipped it over. Uh, it caught fire and melted the steel girders, which caused the road the highway to collapse. Now, listen, the guys, they found a body. It's probably the driver. I, I, feel, uh, I feel sorry for his family. Dude, you lost control of a vehicle around a curve. What do you think you were toting? Barbie dolls? You're toting gasoline. Like, if you had to crawl around that curve, you had to crawl. Like, how do you overturn that by losing control of the vehicle? I guess there'll be more investigation, but it irritates me. I got to be honest. I'm sorry the guy lost his life, but look what he's done with this. Uh, and now the governor's involved. Fortunately, uh, Buttigieg is involved with $7 million right out of the chute from federal funds to try to get this done as soon as possible. But there's a detour, and it's going to be a nightmare for people who have to commute from the Bucks County area, northeast area, into the city. All right, that's uh, number one. Number two, the Live PGA controversy continues. Now, the U.S. Open is coming up. Interestingly enough, Brooks Kepka is paired with Rory in the first round. Mr. Uh, LIV villain Brooks Kepka, who won the last tournament, is now with the Iceman, who hates live golfers. Uh, but this thing is not done yet. There's always government involvement. And the U.S. Senate's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations has opened the review of the PGA Tour's planned alliance with the DP World Tour and the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, which funds live golf. So uh, we shall see if there's anything untoward here that would prevent this merger from going through. This thing is going to go on forever. So I wouldn't plan uh, on this being straightened out and you having to schedule very quickly on how this is going to work between the Live and PGA merger. Stay tuned with that. Number three on Mike Unleashed. I'm watching the Phillies game on Sunday. Darren, as you were, who's in the booth commentating for the first three innings? None other than Roger Clemens. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, this is really awkward. Now, here's a guy who's been a pariah in the game to the point where he was in hiding for several years. All of a sudden, he's out. And I get it. Cody Clemens is his kid, and he's in the ballpark watching his kid. But isn't it awkward for the broadcasters to have to have him in there and pretend that nothing happened? Your thoughts on this, Darren? I think as a broadcaster, you have to be professional in that situation, and you have to keep the topic of conversation on his kid. And you can't waver from that. He's there. Uh, it's not the time or place to delve into to that subject for sure. He's there as a dad uh, and a former major league ball player, and that's it. No, I, I get that. What I'm saying is that's an awkward hold if yeah. you're a broadcaster yeah. because you know what's up. Uh, listen, they just did six innings with Pete Rose last year. How awkward could this have been? Well, yeah. You, you know people are saying, oh, my God, Roger's in there. This is like, what, we're going to ignore this whole thing? And and I, yeah, I get it that they have to ignore it. It's a Phillies broadcast, but it is very awkward. It caught me. It's very awkward. You know, this kid wins the game with a hit in the, in the last inning. So good. 
Good for Roger. And he threw BP. I also forgotten. I guess I listen. First of all, let me get on the record. That story thing never meant anything to me. I'm just saying it was awkward that now he's like everything's forgotten. And the same with A-Rod. Like, it, it's like, you know, these guys like water off the back now. All right. Uh, number three. Um, let's go with, um, uh, uh, or is this number four? This is number four. Uh, I, Darren, can you explain to me why the Tony Awards are on national television? Is, is there anybody on earth who has interest in the Tony Awards? The broadcast awards. I mean, the, excuse me, the Broadway awards. What? I get it. They're Broadway play. I get it. I've been to Broadway plays. Is there interest in who wins on Broadway? I mean, I mean, I, I, AMC's a good channel for something like that. I keep thinking every time I see, see the Tony Awards, I think of that Seinfeld episode where Kramer walks around with the Tony telling people it's this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For Scarsdale's <laughs> Delight was the was the was the. Was the Right. But but I'm going, I, I have more interest like in the Tony Awards in South Philly. If they had the Tony Awards in South Philly, I go down, I watch that more than I watch the Tony Awards about Broadway. There are theater awards. There are theater fans everywhere. The Tony Awards. Who's the, uh, who's the, who's the best Tony in South Philly? Now people are going, well, Mike, man, that's, that's, that's too ethnic. Yeah, yeah I know. And, Prejudice against Italians in this day and age. I get it. But come on with the Tony Awards. All right, number five. Number five, I'm playing in a baseball game. It's a, you know, I'm an idiot because I'm still playing in baseball leagues, hardball leagues. But this, this, uh, this goes from little league all the way to adult leagues. Through, uh, can you explain to me what the purpose of it, when you hit a foul ball to left field, people go straighten it out, like what, 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 as if you have control of that. That's the most overused, ridiculous statement. Straighten it out. <laughs> yeah, if I could, I would have straightened out before I hit the foul ball to left field. I say that to my girl sometimes when I'm uh, coaching. See, see, we, get, <laughs> yeah, see, we, we go all over the place. Straighten it out is the most ridiculous thing anybody could ever utter. Think about it. All right, let's go to an airplane story. A woman on an airplane got squeezed by two rather uh, heavy gentlemen. She was in the middle seat. These two guys were overlapping their uh, airplane seats in the window seat and the aisle seat. Now, you should know that they have reduced the size of these seats. They used to be 19 inches or 17 and a half now, whatever. It's irrelevant to the story. The woman in the middle, I think she was a younger woman, uh, went up to the stores to ask if she should change seats. She changed seats. She got her stuff from, let's see, changed seats. It was obvious why she changed seats. People on the plane were call, yelping at her, saying she was fat phobic. Your thoughts on this, Darren? No, I mean, I, I don't. That's, that's not what I was thinking. I was just thinking of comfort level. I mean, these airport, these airline seats are are ridiculous now. They want you to sit on a two by four uh, and lay uh, with one in back of you. I, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking that. No, I was just thinking I'm uncomfortable. It's not the issue. The issue is. She got squeezed by two heavy guys. She changed her seat because she got squeezed by two heavy guys. Does that make her? Does that make her fat phobic? If no, I think that they're they're infringing upon her seventeen and a half inches of seat on two ends. She just wanted a little more comfort level. And I'll ask you this: How long was the flight? If it was a long flight, I don't blame her at all. If it's a it's a, if it's a forty five minute puddle jump, you deal with She's it. She's absolutely fat phobic absolutely 
and uh, and you can't get around it. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, she landed in that seat. Unfortunately, she's got to suck it up because you, you you're you're making an example of these people. You're hurting their feelings. Forget about your feelings for a change. Think about other person's feelings. Was she standing up shouting, I need to move? Or did she very quietly say... She made it obvious that she wanted to move because of the, the two heavy set guys that were next to her. Hey, look, Come I on. wouldn't do it, but... All right. Uh, finally. No, two other things. The Belmont winner. Um, Archangelo wins it. Good bet. Seven to one. I was actually talking to some people at the at the Wayne uh, Festival this weekend where they had all kinds of bands. I've never been to the Wayne Festival. It was cool. I'm talking to a, a, a lady who uh, had bet Archangelo. She was very high on Archangelo. And I look at it and go, that's a good bet. I was reading about it. So it wins. But the story is, first female trainer ever to win a Triple Crown race. And her name is Jenna Antonucci. And they call her around the racetrack, Nooch. <laughs> I love that. Congratulations to Jenna Antonucci and Archangelo for winning the Belmont. Finally, the College World Series is set. Stanford gets in on a bloop hit that the center fielder for Texas couldn't pick up, lost in the, in the twilight, and Stanford moves on. But the story earlier in that regional with a Stanford pitcher threw a what, 167 pitches in a complete game. A hundred, 156 pitch complete game. 156 in a complete game. That is outrageous. outrageous (laughs) That they would make a a, a kid throw 156 pitches to complete his game. It's that manager should be sanctioned or for whatever. It's I and people are going, oh, I'm like, yeah, that's the way it used to be. That should be. You know what you do to these young kids? These are young arms. You burn their arms out and you ruin their pro prospects by that. That's what you do. It's ridiculous. There's no reason in the world that you would have to do that for a complete game. Was eight to three. You don't have other pitchers that can come in. You're Stanford. You recruit on a national level. It's foolish and it's uh, uh, annoying. Yeah, I agree. It was disgusting. All right. By the way, um, did you see that kid for Tennessee in the same tournament? The kid for Tennessee. I had his name written down. He hit a 479 foot bomb. That's that's awesome for a kid that's that age. It's also with a metal bat. Oh, come on. Come on. What are you talking about, dude? If, if those college don't pitchers let the facts throw, get in the way of a good story. Are, are throwing 93, 94, 95. You hit with a metal bat. It's not that big of a deal to hit it that far. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, Mike. Come on. I'm going to get facts. I'm telling you as a baseball player, that I metal know. bat makes a hell of a lot of difference. I like seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close it down. Bet River sponsors the podcast. I love them. Uh, download that app. Now you get some baseball going. I don't know. It's hard to bet baseball, but if you bet baseball, tell me how to do it because I would love to do it right along with you. I, I can't figure it out. So much depends on a starting pitcher and, uh, whatever. Uh, you can get me on Twitter, Mike miss two five. You can look at my website, which is Mike where I have a weekly blog and, um, and we're going to start in this weekly blog on my website, a, a concept that we used to do in the radio called sound off. So we're going to ask you on this weekly blog to email me something just like it was a call on sound off. I will absolutely read it on the blog. And the best sound off slash email that I get 
you're going to get, uh, we're going to be giving away such great, some great sw- swag. Mike Missinelli podcast hats, Mike Missinelli podcast t-shirts, golf shirts, quarter zips. Also, some great swag is coming your way for the Mike Missinelli podcast, but you have to do it in conjunction with my website, MikeMiss.com, and in conjunction with the concept that we're going to start called Sound Off, but it'll be in email form. All right. How about that, Darren? Are you excited? Uh, I'm so excited that I'm on my way over to your house this afternoon to pick up my uh, my swag. Oh, awesome. Tremendous. Uh, also, don't forget about my friends at Natural Lawn. Oh, my, my lawn's looking. Especially after that rain last night, my lawn's gone. It's raising its hands in glee. It's standing straight up my lawn today. And that's because of the Natural Lawn concept with all organic lawn care and my anti-mosquito applications where you can go out in the backyard and not worry about mosquitoes during the summer. Natural Lawn. Just go to naturallawn.com. That's N-A-T-U-R-A-L-A-W-N.com. There's only one L. It's Natural Lawn. See how they blended the one L? So naturallawn.com. And you can get a free quote. Uh, for your particular situation. Uh, have we done everything that we can do today, Darren? Uh, we've said it all today, Mike. We'll be back later in the week with some more Phillies and Sixers stuff. I know that. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tell your friends and neighbors to get the Bet, uh, the Bet Rivers uh, Mike Missinelli podcast for free. You just go. People ask me all the time, how do I get it? These are people that are not podcast savvy. You can get it on any podcast network, Apple, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Spotify, but here's the easiest way to do it. You go to Google. You put in Mike Missinelli podcast. Boom. It'll come up. It'll flash right up. You hit on it. Then you subscribe, and it'll come to you every week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you Thursday. It's the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.